Welcome to the Basic Income Podcast. I'm Owen Poindexter. And I'm Jim Pugh. So we often talk about one of the benefits of UBI being the universality, the idea that everyone receives it and, and that being a good thing. And we've mentioned at different times reasons for that. But we've never really taken the time to delve into what does it mean to be universal? What are the attributes that come with that? How does that compare to more targeted approaches? What are the sorts of in-between things that are out there? And what are the ramifications politically and from the perspective of, of how effective a program actually is that come along with all of that? And I would say when I talk about universal basic income, the most common question I get is how do you pay for it? And after that, the second one might be, why does Bill Gates get it? Why do millionaires get it? And so, yeah, we thought we would dive into a little bit of the research and also just the discussion on what makes for a good targeted program, what makes for a good universal program, and what are the issues of each. So I'll just start with the most obvious thing, which is that a universal program reaches everyone, or at least it should, and you don't have the issues of you know, people who should be getting it, who the, the program is designed for, who are going to miss it either because they don't do the right paperwork or they don't know about the program or for whatever reason it doesn't get to them. And the flip side of that is you also don't have to worry about people who are getting the benefits who don't actually qualify and you don't have to have government officers tracking them down and, you know, trying to pull back the benefits that they've already received or anything like that. Yeah, I think that's right. I think another one that we often mention is the idea of stigma that, that may come along with targeted benefits uh, if you're looking at something. If your program's goal is to address some struggle that someone is going through, then receiving that support may be seen as, as something shameful if it's something that is only going to a targeted group, whereas if everyone's getting it, then it's, oh, okay, this is just something that, that people get. And so... You don't have, either for the recipients or for the population at large, this idea that, that there's anything wrong with receiving the benefit there. You know, one place I've seen that in my own life is around unemployment benefits. It's a, a major blow to the ego to lose your job. And to then receive those benefits, you have to acknowledge that and to talk about it. You have to acknowledge the fact that that you lost your job for whatever reason. You know, it didn't work out. Um, and And so I've known people who didn't take their unemployment benefits because also they felt like it wasn't for them. They felt like they were too far into the middle class and that this is supposed to be for, for people less fortunate than them. And also, you know, I'm pretty sure I know people who've gotten it and, and haven't talked about it just because, you know, all that stigma involved. And if everyone's getting it, then everyone's getting it. Right. There are certainly some pretty clear examples of, of where this comes into play. Other examples where maybe it exists today. Does it have to exist? hard to say. Like The psychology obviously gets complicated in many ways, but you can certainly see that as, as a factor as to why people would prefer universal in general. Uh, I think the last one that's worth mentioning is that when you do have the targeted programs, and as you say, if you're setting up bureaucracy to make sure that people who don't aren't supposed to get it aren't getting it, then that may at the same time be creating barriers to access for people who really do need those. And so that a program that is aimed to address a certain particular issue, people struggling from that issue may actually have a really, really hard time accessing it if they're e either accidentally or by design, the program is set up such that it, it makes it very difficult for them to actually get into it. Yeah, and I wanted to jump in on the by design part of that. There are obviously a lot of elected officials out there and bureaucrats who 
don't like these programs and don't want them to reach their intended recipients. So they'll do things like uh, work requirements for Medicaid is one we've seen recently where that's, that's just going to make it so a lot of poor people are not going to be able to receive Medicaid. You can also, if you just want pe fewer people on your benefit program, change the, the frequency of how often you have to do paperwork from a year to six months. That means some people are just not gonna, like their, their benefits are gonna lapse and they're not, maybe because they're used to it being one year, they're not gonna re-up. Um, and also just plain underfunding. That's another option for if you want to um, reduce your benefit coverage. You know, states have fixed budgets and if they just don't put enough money toward a program that there, there goes that money. Well, I suppose you could say that that could be true of either a targeted or a universal sure, programs. True. But yeah, I think to the point you just made that effectively, I think targeted programs are more susceptible to sabotage if there is someone who's trying yes. to come in and make them not work effectively. Yeah. So all this said, there are reasons to have a targeted program. There are you know, selective populations within the broader population that have special needs. And some of these are easy enough to identify uh, and it just makes sense to have a program targeted at, at those groups. The, the disabled, I would say, is, is one obvious one. The elderly, you could make a case, would maybe get a higher basic income. Um, or, or, you know, right now we have Social Security. So maybe you just get your Social Security on top of your basic income. Children, you know, have their own needs that adults don't have, as do their families. And so there are, I think it's an easy enough to make a case that we should have some targeted programs, especially when the targeting is not easy. Like your age is a matter of, I guess, I don't know if it's public record, but it, it's an easily verifiable fact. And it doesn't, or sorry, it does change, but it changes on a regular schedule. Yeah, I mean, I, I think what you're getting at is there are certain cases where it's it, it doesn't really make sense to even talk about universal programs. Like let's say uh, if you're talking about some like child nutritional thing, it would make sense to have adults be part of that. And so there's like an, an inherent necessity for targeting that, that exists in certain situations. Um, so I think those I think those are kind of the easy cases because like I think we pretty much all agree in, in most of the situations like, oh, this is something that's really for a specific population. I think where it gets trickier is when it's something that that could be more broadly helpful or at least accepted by people and we whether or not we we give to everyone or whether we give it to a select group and i think that in that case in almost every situation it's about limited resources right that we talk about that we have a great abundance in our society often on this podcast but if we're actually getting down to the brass tacks of what is the situation politically at any given moment there is going to be limitations on how much funding we can move to do any particular program. And so that then becomes a question of, do you give less to more people or do you give more to fewer people and try to target so that those fewer people receiving it are the people who most need it? Yeah, and the way that I think about this to sort of crystallize it is, you know, obviously if we could have $1,000 a month to every person in the US, then 100%, obviously, I'm for it. Um, but what if it was $100 a month for everyone or you know, $500 a month for the, I guess, 20% neediest people? You know, which one do you choose? I think that that question gets harder. And I think if you had a clean way to target, if you absolutely knew that 
you're, you are hitting the bullseye whenever you want to target a program, you, you can make a pretty decent case for the targeted approach there. But I think what we found is that it's nearly impossible to actually target effectively. Yeah, and that's a big thing that we want to talk about in this episode is there was a recent study that was conducted uh, by an organization called Development Pathways that was done for the Church of Sweden. And they looked at programs around the world comparing both targeted and universal programs, 33 different programs in 22 countries. And they surveyed households in all these places over the course of nine years to try to understand who these programs were actually reaching and comparing that to their intended recipients. What they found was pretty eye-opening in my view. So they looked at programs that went to 25% or less of the population. So some sort of targeting that was going to the intended recipients as a minority. And they measured how much of the target population was actually receiving those benefits. So the study looked at programs that went to 25% or fewer of the population. So doing some sort of targeting that was going to a quarter or less of people. And they measured of people receiving those benefits, how much, what percentage of the poorest 20% of the country's population was actually receiving support. So you can imagine if this is a perfectly targeted program, you would be getting everyone because you're giving this to 25% of the population, the 20% of poor people should be included in that because they're the most needy. What they found is that in the best case, 56% of the poorest 20% were actually receiving the benefits. And in the worst case, only 3% of the poorest 20% were getting it. So clearly this is not working the way it's supposed to be working because if your gold standard here is that just over half of who you want to be getting support is actually getting it, that means that we're not actually able to effectively target in these sorts of situations. Yeah, that 56% number I find more shocking than the 3%, just because if you look at the entire world and all the governments we have, there's some of them are quite corrupt and there's lots of middlemen. And you know, by the time you get to the people who the program's supposedly targeting, they're not getting much of anything. That I kind of knew, even though it's you know, not, it's not good, but, but at least had that somewhat baked in. But yeah, that in the best of cases, you're still only getting about half the people your program is meant to reach makes me feel like targeting is, I don't want to say, you know, it will inevitably fail, but it sort of feels like it's inevitably only going to reach, you know, maybe like 60% of who you want it to. And, you know, it would be one thing if we were talking like the best ones get to like 90%, 85%, then you can say, okay, targeting can work. This makes me feel like I don't want to go as far as targeting can't work, but it starts to feel like that. Right. And just so we're doing apples to apples here, we should also talk about what happened with the quote unquote universal programs, because I think, I mean, that's obviously a question, like something right, could ostensibly use... universal, but yeah, is it actually? But what they found is that those tended to actually work quite well. Um, a program that was not fully universal, but more universal was in South Africa. They have a child support grant there, uh, which is 71% coverage in the population. And for that program, that only missed 12% of the poorest 20%. So the coverage was 88% as opposed to just 56%. And then they looked at a couple of really universal programs. So there was a Mongolia child money program and a Georgia old age pension, both of which went to over 98% of the population. 
and amongst the poorest twenty percent, it was yeah two percent that was <clears> excluded. <throat> so it was getting the poor people um, as well as the rich people because ninety eight percent you're getting almost everyone. But so yeah, I mean, it, when you have something more universal, it it actually does seem to get far far better coverage than than when you have something targeted here. Yeah, and the irony is that. When people make the case for targeting, they're thinking, well, if you take that money from Bill Gates, you can give it to a family that really, really needs it. But it, the evidence shows that it's kind of the opposite. When you give it to Bill Gates, the family that really needs it is more likely to get it also. So even if you're only concerned about poor families, then universality just makes more sense. I think the only real case for targeting for something as basic as healthcare or cash benefits or education is limited resources that, you know, again, if if you can only give $100 a month or it's, you can make it $20, $50 a month to every person, is that still worth it? And, you know, you, you do run into a situation where you're just saying, well, that money's not going to do enough, so we should think of something else to do with it. But yeah, just in terms of the benefits reaching who they want to, universality is pretty clearly the way to go. Yeah. And to give a bit more information from the report, their assessment is a big part of the reason why this happens is that these programs attempt to define a kind of fixed definition of poor. This is who is actually poor. This is who should get support. And in just about all the cases, it wasn't actually a fixed group. There was a ton of volatility around both income and wealth. And so at the moment they were doing assessment, that was not sometimes not accurately capturing underlying dynamics. And then it might have shifted significantly three, six months later. And so attempting to target based on any sort of assessment in a moment, which is really all you can do, that inherently meant you were not being able to like really keep up to date and, and know at any given point in time who, who did need to support the most. Yeah, income volatility is something that, that gets lost in a lot of these discussions, including in our own. I'd say we tend to say, you know, this, this family has $20,000 a year, this one has $100,000 a year, when often it's, it's much more volatile than that. Um, Rachel Schneider, who is a previous guest of ours, did a really fantastic job of chronicling that in her book, The Financial Diaries, about how, you know, like, when you say someone is making $40,000 a year, that could be 20 one year and 60 another year. And, and so maybe one of those years they qualify for benefits and the next year they don't, but do they actually receive those benefits? You know, you can see how it, that is another way that benefits fail to reach the people who, who qualify for them. Right. And even month to month, there can be variation. And so like on paper, you can seem poor or not, but what you're like in April may be very different than what you're like in June. So we've been talking about programs as if it's one or the other. You're targeted or you're universal. But there's a bunch of stuff that, that kind of exists in a middle ground that I think is, is worth bringing up here. So one that's sort of a little column A, a little column B, are programs that are focused on universal access. So I would put in universal healthcare as something like this, where you don't always need healthcare services. Maybe you almost never need them, but they are available to you at all times. And of course, some people will need them all the time. Yeah, and I think uh, public education would be another one, something that, uh, I mean, maybe less so these days, but certainly in the past, if you had public universities, those were very financially accessible options for people across most of the socioeconomic spectrum. If you had a lot of money, it's more likely you would decide to 
pay for a private school and, and go do that instead. But this was something that was available to everyone that tended to more focus on serving people who uh, were not quite as well off. Yeah, and the nice thing about that is you can kind of have it both ways where something is available to everyone, but you're probably only going to access it if you are needy. And something like universal basic income, it's, it's hard to imagine how that would work, but there are a lot of pretty basic things where you could, where, you know, I think healthcare is the most obvious one, where it's just, you don't go to the doctor if you're not sick for the most part. One idea that has was on this show a little while ago, and I think is worth mentioning now that the topic of reparations is having another moment right now, is the idea of what Dorian Warren calls UBI plus, which is that everyone would get a universal basic income, but African Americans and you know other people targeted by reparations programs would get a little bit more. You know, as also as Dorian Warren likes to say, that's a very controversial idea, but but you know when we talk about reparations, I think it's worth kind of bringing that idea in. And just to take that and generalize, I mean, thinking about having a universal program that everyone's included in, and then yeah, some sort of supplement on top of that to a targeted population, that could be a pretty elegant way of getting around some of these challenges. Because if, if you have universal, you know everyone's going to be part of it already. And so if people are in it, suddenly it becomes much easier and safer to be able to say, oh, OK these folks are going to get a little bit of extra or different support. And so I don't know of too many examples of that that exist today, but it certainly does seem like a direction that could have a lot of potential here. Yeah, and like I said earlier, some targeting is not that hard to do. Like, for instance, targeting by age. Maybe you get more when you're, you'd be getting Social Security. You're, you know, maybe it's different if you're a kid or you know, working age or whatever. Um, if you already have the universal benefit system set up and you can, you know, a computer can handle most of that where you just, you've got age and whatever other boxes you want to check already in the system and the benefits just kind of adjust automatically. That skirts around some of the issues of targeting where, you know, just around access and, and who ends up getting it. I think another one worth mentioning is something that's uh, promoted heavily by the Haas Institute for a Fair and Inclusive Society which they call a targeted universalism. And the concept behind this is that you don't have universal programs, but you have universal goals. So for example, saying every child should reach this degree of proficiency in a school, or everyone should have a certain amount of income, and then using mostly targeted means to get people to that point. And I think what potentially could be effective here is that if if you're starting from that goal space of saying, OK, everyone needs to reach that, inherently that means you need to be assessing it for everyone. And so that there is, the universality may not be in the benefits, but it is in the, in the program assessment. And so you have to be doing something. If you're, if, again, if this is implemented well, uh, you have to be doing something so that everyone is, is being included in the assessment. And so. Ideally, you would not miss people that way then. One more that I'll, I'll throw in uh, is a, an idea I had a while ago. It's sort of based on something Roy Bahat said, um, who was an interviewee of ours probably a couple years ago at this point, um, where he had the idea of you could have requirements for your basic income. Maybe it's voting, maybe it's some kind of civil service program. Thinking you could maybe do, you get half your universal income, maybe $500 a month just automatically, and the other half you earn over maybe two years. 
uh, through a civil service program. And again, that's so it, you you catch everyone through the universal part. And if you maybe need the money or just want to be a part of this program, you have that option. So it's a little of both. And another one I think should be mentioned here, which we have actually talked about several times in the past, is you can have a universal program and just have the funding stream be targeted. So I think we often promote the idea that a UBI that goes to everyone that is funded through progressive taxation, such that the wealthy pay considerably more, de facto what that means is that you are targeting the basic income to people who have less money because the net transfer to the wealthy is they're paying, not getting money. And so I, I, this is a particular case for income transfer programs because it doesn't really make sense if you're talking about in-kind goods. But if, if you are talking about cash transfers, then you can effectively achieve targeting if you design the funding streams such that certain people pay more or less. And I think it's somewhat inevitable that if we had a basic income, that would there would be some of that structure in there, whether that's through a carbon tax, value-added tax, a income tax, a wealth tax. Um, I would think the overall revenue sources would be of a progressive nature, I, I think, partly just because that's where the money is. And, and so, yeah, you, you were going to have to fund this somehow. And I think that would end up being progressive, and that, that's where the targeting would end up being. I mean, that's certainly the approach I would support, but I don't know that we can count on anything like that, since there, there certainly have been programs in the past where that hasn't been true. And so I, I think it's, it's something that if we want that to happen, we, we need to be explicit about saying right. that. That'll do it for this episode of the Basic Income Podcast. Thank you to our producer, Eric Davidson. Please rate us and review us on the podcast service of your choice. And please tell your friends about the show. We are always looking to bring more folks into this conversation. Talk to you next week. Mm-hmm.